I, I think the poet or the filmmaker or the musician, the poet must not avert his eyes. You must not avert your eyes. This is what is coming at us. visually arresting nonsense. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And today we're going to be talking about Assassin's Creed, Justin Kurzel's adaptation of the Ubisoft video game series, uh, in which a death row inmate must relive his ancestors' memories to find the genetic code of violence? Something? Critical reaction to the film has been poor. Darren Franich from the Entertainment Weekly said, Assassin's Creed mistakenly assumes that the plot is the most important element of its source material. Actually, it's the least. That's not a very funny review, but it does absolutely sum up everything that's wrong with this entire film, to the point where I was recording this podcast is purely perfunctory. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. That's the end. But you didn't point out the one good thing, and that's what we're here for. Um, Nigel Andrews at the Financial Times, because that's where I go for my fucking film reviews, um, said, up the pole, out to lunch, and off the grid. It is mad, mannerist, and unmanageable. Very much like my hair. The public reaction was not much better. Arf Joshi at IMDb said, no, man, no. Come on, Fastbender, not from you. I didn't see this coming at all. And I am disappointed with Marion, too. Why would she do such a movie? Bad script with bad direction. I mean, the audience is much smarter than some silly fights or stunts, and even the visual effects weren't good too. There is not a single moment or a thread of the story that you might want to hold on to, so basically a four-year kid wrote the script. A disaster, a nightmare, a tragedy, basically a glimpse of 2017. No. Got weirdly prophetic at the end there, didn't it? Damn. Damn. Let's go to this guy for predictions. (laughs) And that was Noam Chomsky. But I disagree with him that um, there's not a single moment or thread of the story you might want to hold on to. So... Paul, you sneaky Pete. Hello. What is one moment that you want to hold on to? Finally, after all this time, we have a film that is as interesting as the video game it was based on. Yeah. Yeah. It was a similar experience to the video game. Yeah. As much as all the stuff set during the present I didn't care about, and all the stuff set in the past I wasn't really following, in the hopes of just soon being able to climb up a big tower again. Yeah, I mean, we have fairly different... Well, we have semi-different relationships with the games. I know... You I... dislike them. Uh, for me, I play the, them every single time they get released so that I mm. can enjoy the roughly 90 minutes of pleasure I get out of the um, 30-hour experience. Yeah, well, to be fair, I've played two of them, and I love the action, and I love the, the aesthetic, and uh, I love the tension, but I also love how you can break that up by walking very slowly, performing the same three or four tasks, and then sitting down on a bench. So how much of Assassin's Creed were you both aware about before you decided to become a part of this film? I know the title... I very rarely like a stealth game. Yeah. Assassin's Creed, for me, after about three minutes of sneaking around, of, you know, walking around, uh, I just get bored and I just dive into a crowd of people with knives. 
Well, luckily, it seems that Fassbender agrees with you, because there are no sections in this film in which Michael Fassbender sits down on a bench for five solid minutes, hoping the guards will eventually move on. Yeah, luckily, he doesn't get bogged down too much in the logistics of being an assassin. Mm. Or... The emotional weight of being an yeah, assassin. Yeah, or... anything really to yeah. do with being an assassin, except for the, the cool blades. <laughs> <laughs> and the beard. Yeah, he, he wears have beards, don't he? He got the beard right. Yeah. Assassin's beard. Assassin's beard. Has working on the film inspired you to pick up a controller at all, to delve into that world? Uh, to be honest with you, it, uh, it takes so much time. I think the first thing to ask ourselves about this film is, who are these people? Any of them? We can start with uh, Michael Fassbender's let's, character. Let's start with Michael Fassbender, whose character is Michael Fassbender. Callum Lynch. Callum I think Lynch is the, name. is the name of the modern day Michael yes. Fassbender. He who also plays... I'm going to refer to him as Michael Fassbender. Okay, yeah. So Michael Fassbender, modern, and Michael Fassbender, assassin. Yeah. The modern Michael Fassbender, Callum Lynch, is on death row. Mm -hmm. He's accused of murder. Well, he murdered a pimp. A pimp? He murdered a pimp. And he hasn't. So he's a good murderer. Yeah. He's He's one of those good ones. Yeah. Because we don't know why he murdered that pimp. Maybe he was trying to, like, charge him too much for the last girl he, yeah. he roughed up. He's like, he, dude, I can't... You've got to pay for what you've done. You've done here. I ain't got to pay. That was Michael Fassbender. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, stunning. Um, Pitch perfect. Yeah. that That's the impression I get off of his performance. He could have run this guy over, <laughs> sort of been in tears over his body, you know, leafed through the pockets, picked up his wallet and gone, oh, he's a pimp. Oh, thank God. <laughs> He's a pimp, everyone. It's fine. <laughs> Why? What was in his wallet? <laughs> gave that away. Wasn't his pimp his... identification card. <laughs> the American Pimp Association. His driver's license. Occupation. Pimp. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's how it goes in America. In Trump's America, everyone. <laughs> in Trump's America, where all pimps are registered. That sounds more like a, a lefty. I'd approve yeah. of that if all yeah. pimps are registered and have that's to get socialism. a license for pimping. Yeah. That's socialism, isn't it? <laughs> Will you smack a hoe upside her head? No. <laughs> Good. Mm. Good. Yeah. Well done, Timothy. No, I would register her and take her to the DVLA. <laughs> I would to get carry her plates out, fixed. I would carry out a satisfaction survey. <laughs> um, so he murders his pimp. Yes, but he is saved as the lethal injection is being administered. Um, oh no! The, the, well, the injection is administered. Yeah, and he appears to die, and it's quite an emotional scene. You know, mm. his tears flowing down Fastbender's face. And, yeah, you know, he's yeah, you know, it's kind of it's, it's pretty hardcore. But then. But then he wakes up. He wakes up. He has been saved by a organization called Abstergo. Abstergo. I've mm. played every game, but this is this is part of the stuff I couldn't give a shit about. <laughs> so I know the title. Yeah, Abstergo. Abstergo sounds right. He's yes, he's in this uh, facility run by Abstergo, yeah. and uh, it's become quickly apparent through the magic of exposition mm. uh, that Marion Cotillard is a scientist a scientist she's a scientist and it transpires through exposition that michael fassbender is there because he is the descendant he is the last descendant yes of the last remaining assassin Mm. and he must go inside the assassin's head to figure out where the MacGuffin for this film Mm. is hidden what do you want from me your past listen to me carefully cal You're about to enter the Animus. What you're about to see, hear, and feel are the memories of someone who's been dead for 500 years. Wait a minute. Uh, The MacGuffin is the Apple of Eden. Yep. Which uh, contains the genetics for free will. 
Yes, it's told that it contains the seeds of mankind's first disobedience. Yes, the derp de derp. Um, <laughs> everybody wants this thing. Yeah. Everyone. It's a fantastic MacGuffin. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and it kind of it does the thing that a good MacGuffin uh, should do, which is it does tie into the theme of the movie, which is this idea of is violence necessary in a society in which free will exists? Because if you eradicated violence, wouldn't you have taken away people's ability to choose violence? Mm. And does the decision to not act violently mean anything if it hasn't been made via free will? That's the subtext. Yeah. <laughs> it's buried deep. That yeah. very rarely gets like discussed. I mean, see Clockwork Orange if you want to see that idea explored. Yeah, there are plenty of films that explore it better, but uh, I don't think there's any match for Assassin's Creed for explaining it better. <laughs> Um, That's right, it's showing it better. That yeah. would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, he relives the events around uh, the time of uh, the Spanish Inquisition yes. in Andalusia in 1492. Yeah. This is a time when there is a civil war or a war of um, some sort between... Religious the... persecution. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, through several action scenes, um, we get glimpses of this story as Michael Fassbender assassin and his lady assassin friend, played by... Ariane Lowe? I didn't look that up. I think. Sorry. Well, she Ariane. was captivating. Yeah. Through through these events, we finally learn where the uh, Apple of Eden is. Yes. It's, it's worth pointing out, though, that every single time that Michael Fassbender gets hooked into the animus, yeah. it is an action sequence he goes back and revisits. There are no... There's one character moment, I think. Just before a big action sequence between yeah. him and the female assassin. Yes. But because all they talk about is their mission mm. and how important their mission is and how ready they are to die for their mission, mm. they're not very engaging. No. No one is. Uh, which may have been Justin Kurzel's intention. He mentioned mm. that there were meant to be no good guys in the film, that everyone was meant to be sort of morally uh, dubious. Mm. That's fine. You can make that movie. But they do have to be interesting. Mm. You do have to be kind of into what they're they're up to even if you don't agree with them yes meanwhile uh there is a whole story going on outside the animus in this facility where michael fassbender is being kept and in this facility are a group of other assassins mm. um modern day assassins uh, they are very much against michael fassbender at the moment because yes. they think that he's going to lead the scientist marion cotillard and her father jeremy irons mm-hmm. to this apple of Eden, which will spell the undoing of free will, free will, and yes. so the Assassin's Creed. That is the plot. point. It's, it's very naive of Jeremy Irons to have put this group of people together. Mm. His motivation is okay. We need to find out where the assassins put this apple, so we'll find their descendants and cause them to relive their memories, which are being passed on genetically through mm. their blood. Because why the fuck not? Yeah, just go with it. Get them all together. Have them vividly relive moments in which they were part of this dangerous terrorist group. Like, really get yeah. into the headspace, and we, they have to synchronize with them, or bad things will happen, so they have to get into that headspace and really live in there with the characters and their motivations. And then we'll have them all fraternize together in a room that we apparently don't survey, yeah. because there are many interactions in that room between assassins, which I'm pretty sure the Templars would have intervened with, had yeah. they been actually paying attention. Yes. And uh, it'll be fine. No, that's, 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 how, that's how these things work. That's how yeah. science works, Paul. Also... At the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they get a whole bunch of weapons and wreck shit up. Why did they have a whole bunch of weapons in the facility? A yeah, bow and arrow to swords. inspire them as they were being lowered into the animus. <laughs> they, they, they'd see they'd see retractable knives and go, "Oh, assassins are sweet." <laughs> 
So, um, so yeah, that, that was that. The facility was a bit, uh, strange. Uh, it's full of weird and wonderful and zany characters, all flamboyant, uh, with their own idiosyncrasies. And no, what film am I thinking of? <laughs> it's not Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who are you? They call me Musa. But my name is Baptiste. I'm dead 200 years now. Voodoo poisoner. I'm harmless. <laughs> They're all roughly the same dangerous terrorist. Yes. Damn. Oh, dear. So, what does Jeremy... What does Jeremy Cotillard want <laughs> in this? Well, that's a tricky one. Yes. Marion Cotillard wants a world without violence. Okay. She wants an equilibrium style. I always go to equilibrium. Yeah, you do. Because it's, it's just the best. Your, t- your cultural touchstone. <laughs> yeah. Um, she wants an equilibrium style world without violence. Right. There's no war. There's no suffering. Marion Cotillard then, near the end, when it turns out that violence will be removed from this world by removing all free will... Um, is unhappy at that. Um, this isn't the way in which she wanted violence removed, but it's not absolutely clear what she thinks obtaining the Apple of Eden will achieve. Um, I guess that she mentions the genetic code for violence, and mm-hmm. another point in the movie she mentions that because he is an assassin, like his father was, or was it his mother? Both. Both were assassins. Spoilers. Excellent. Um, Excellent. That means that his genetics include going from Spain to Ireland mm. to American. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, that's how that works. Brandon Gleeson plays uh, the descendant of Irish immig- of uh, Spanish immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> Much like in... Uh... Oh, in The Tale of Panama, that's in which one. he plays, an, um, yes, a Panamarian, I believe. Yeah, seamlessly. Yes. Um, yeah. He's wonderful in that film. It's completely... You wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice about it. No. Don't, don't even worry about it. Um... <laughs> He's he's Spanish, guys. Don't That's even worry what the director of Tale of Panama comes on screen to tell us. <laughs> D- don't worry about it, guys. This Brendan Gleeson, everybody. <laughs> that me, guy from Braveheart. Um, yeah. So both of his parents were assassins. Yes. So she um, she indicates then, therefore, that because both her parents were assassins, he is the living proof that violence is hereditary or genetic, as she yes. says. Memories are genetic. The will to violence is genetic. There's a lot... I guess these are the guys who believe free will is a bad thing. Yeah. But they're saying that their will to violence is genetic. I don't... I'm not sure if um, Marion Cotillard is so bothered about free will as just the science behind it. The right. pure science. If she can crack that, that code, she can maybe extract that. Extract the, the desire to do violence. From, like, birth, yeah. Just yeah. Pick it out of the genetics. Yeah. Just, like, tweezering a pube from a urinal. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> why are you doing that? <laughs> well, exactly. Why are you doing that, Marion Cotillard? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Oscar-winning French actress Marion Cotillard. Jesus Christ. Okay, what does Jeremy Irons want? Um, okay, well, he's he's a member of the Templar with Charlotte Rampling. Yes, um, surprisingly. Yeah. What is it with films in the last couple couple of years? Um, just just roping in all of these fairly prestigious actors to yeah. do just really strange or, or you know roles that are below them yeah I'm surprised um, Charlotte Rampling agreed to it because there's a black person in it yeah it's full of foreigns as well yeah oh, she must have been really she must have been really dirty. irked and annoyed luckily she only has scenes with Jeremy Irons who's a that's true that was English. probably in her contract yeah I would like to take this uh, this moment just to welcome Jeremy Irons back to One Good Thing um, it's his second appearance so hi, far hi Jez oh, hi Jez it's good to see you buddy keep, keep it up don't worry about it too much 
unfortunately you were the best thing about both of these films um, Jeremy Irons is under pressure to obtain the Apple of Eden yes. for his superior, who is noted racist Charlotte Rampling. And yeah, she wants to. He wants to get it. What does Brandon Gleeson want? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's correct. <laughs> what does Justin Kurzel want? He he wanted he wanted to make a really good film. Yes, in his his trademark style of very strong visuals, mm. uh, excellent sound. Yes, and. The ability to make films that you don't really want to watch a second time. Yes, for very different reasons yeah. from Snowtown. Yeah. Um, I have watched Macbeth a few times. I am very oh, fond right. of it. Um, I, I can't see myself watching Assassin's Creed again. No. Um, I think I, I would probably show somebody Snowtown. Oh, Jesus. Um, just in the same way that I show everybody I meet Irreversible. Because <laughs> uh, you've got to, got to love you, that film, guys. You can't avert your gaze. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't watch Macbeth again because, unlike you, I I was left feeling quite cold. It was, Fair. I found it very vis- visually stunning. Mm. Again, the soundtrack just excellent, awesome. Walked away not really feeling much about it. Fair enough. And yes, yeah, Assassin's Creed, unfortunately, I think falls into that 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 latter for me. Yeah, I mean, I I loved the performances in Macbeth. Yeah. I think Marion Cotillard brought new life to Lady Macbeth, and uh, Michael Fassbender is a kind of traumatized um, war veteran. Uh, Macbeth yeah. was a very interesting decision mm. to make with that character, and I really liked it. And of course, there's just I, I'm in love with the language. I mean, it's it's poetic. Mm. It, it's it's poetic language, and it's very there's a, you can get a great deal of joy from listening to something like that. Mm. And I agree with you that performances were sterling. What did Michael Fassbender want? Because he is actually a producer on this yes. project as well as being in it. He wanted a project that he could see from conception to fruition. Okay. And that's that's an IMDB trivia quote. <laughs> um I don't get studio interference from this. I get no. greatly misjudged. Yes. Yeah. It was done with some studio interference. <laughs> it was cohesive in a way that um a lot of the, the recent DC films have not been. Yeah. Which I can be thankful for. I didn't mm. have too much trouble following the plot. I was I was lost at times, but I think it's because uh, I was bored. Yeah, I w- I struggled a little because I was I was within the cinema, sat next to one of the most genuinely irritating people I've ever met, and then on the other side from you, I had a yeah. guy who was just an absolute fucking monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had an awful time in the cinema on Friday, guys. We went to the O2, uh, one of London's great landmarks. Is that yeah. big tent with cranes coming out of it that yeah. failed to make any money when Tony Blair opened it, mm. and then made lots of money when O2 bought it, and we saw it there in the, under the big tent, yeah, uh, with a crowd of really horrible people yeah just subhuman <laughs> just slimes there was uh, the guy next to you uh was was pushing the air in and out of a straw for the best part of just sucking air in after slurping down he had five separate unique irritating <laughs> habits five UI- uihs um yeah. he was a stunning human being i yeah. hated every part of him so i guess the one good thing about assassin's creed is we learn uh learn some important lessons about going to a cinema on a friday thanks everyone goodbye namely go to a better one something fancy go to a curzon or something yeah go and see a 1958 akira kurosawa masterpiece yeah don't go see assassin's creed on a friday yeah. go see it f- monday morning 10 o'clock you'll, you'll be fine i miss being unemployed me too don't worry time will <laughs> that's what all of these people wanted yeah None of these things are very engaging. No, because they're just things yeah. written down that they want. Mm. There's no, there's no real emotional drive for it. The only, the one thing I did feel was Michael Fassbender's hatred of his father. Yes. Uh, 
which was firstly delivered in a fairly stodgy line at the start when he was asked if he had any last words before being executed. And he said, tell my father I'll see him in hell. Oh, yeah. And I kind of went, but then, but then the rest of it, Michael Fassbender's natural ability, you know, acting ability came Mm. through. So when, so when you learn that, you know, he's to be reunited with his father, it was like, oh, there's actually going to be conflict in this. Mm. This is great. Do you recognize this? Assassin's Blade. This is the actual one that your father used to take your mother's life. He's here, you know. Mother's death girl. Not something a boy should ever be made to see. But for the most part, there was no emotional drive. I agree. Yeah. Um... Yes, it was a very intellectually thought-out battle between the characters, and it's the philosophy that we have the assassins on one hand who believe free will is absolutely essential, it must be defended at all costs, and violence is a part of that, whereas the Templar seemingly... It's it's unclear whether or not the goal is to eradicate violence or whether the goal is to have complete control over everyone, and one of them is a means to the other. Mm. It's not absolutely clear which is the priority for the Templars. Yes, I do think to some extent that's the hip- hypocrisy is intentional. Yeah. But it's but it's kind of buried in a in a in a film that at times can feel directionless. Mm, yeah. So it's difficult to tell sometimes, I think. Because yeah, you are going you're going back whenever you go back in time. I think you said uh after we we came out of the cinema yesterday once we'd sort of wiped all the popcorn and 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 just just human slime from our glasses. <laughs> you then made the point that when we were watching, when you saw the Matrix for the first time and your you're getting all this stuff in the real world. Mm. By the time you get around to going back into the Matrix, yeah. you are stoked. Yeah. You're so excited. Yeah, so we've we've had the opening sequence in which we've seen, seen a lot of weird stuff. Mm. We've seen, you know, Hugo weaving melder man's mouth shut using special effects that none of us had seen at that stage. It was yeah. fucking incredible. We've seen Trinity's opening sequence. We know that extraordinary yeah. things can happen in this world, yeah. things that can't happen in our world, and we mm-hmm. want to get back to it. And it's important for the premise of the film, which is the idea that people are reluctant to leave the Matrix for the real world. Yeah. We're reluctant. We spend a good 45 minutes in that, of that movie stuck on a tinny ship mm. with boring characters just... Eating milling, tasty wheat. Eating tasty wheat and discussing the flavor of chicken. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, we have a mission. It's like, yes, yes, fantastic. Yeah. And the, the, the music starts up and they're spinning yeah. around and there's a phone and they're all in cool black yeah. outfits again. And it's yeah. great. Um, similarly, Inception, we spend so much time seeing them develop this plan. And they're talking about things that we can't quite conceptualize. Like, oh, we need to build another layer in which he reunites with his father. And it's like, okay, what is that going to involve? Mm. And they're building a city and they're drawing out plans. And there's like, oh, what's this shortcut here? Uh, you can't know about that because... Um, uh, only the architect is allowed to know about that. And yeah. It's like, ooh, how's that going to pay off? Yeah, loads of like planning and prepping, and it's like we want something as cool as the opening sequence again. We're waiting for it, and then it comes time for them all to slip back into the simula into the dream, and it's like, yay, here we go. Yeah, it's anticipation, it's excitement. Yes, I had a little of that the yeah. second time he goes into the animus, in which he's acting crazy and singing um a song, <laughs> which I his voice. I cringed through a little bit that that song because I, I sort of. I saw what they were doing, and Michael Fassbender was giving it his everything. He was really going for it. It was yeah. a strong scene, but there are a few times where I just found myself going... Well, that's surprising, because it was the homunculus next to me's favourite bit. He laughed all the way through that fucking bit. 
<laughs> he's traumatized now. <laughs> he's laughing. Brilliant. He's 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 singing. He shouldn't be singing. It's yeah. funny. It's, it's really funny. funny. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but that was yeah. Um, was that the that was the sequence where it went into there was an eagle flight going over a war. That was earlier. I think that, that was, was the earlier. first time. Oh, because that was, was fucking brilliant. That was I loved great. that bit. Yeah. The establishing shot of yeah. the past. Yeah. Which has a war in it. Yeah. It um, looked excellent. It did. Um, and hats off to the special effects guys who made that work because yeah. it looked great. But yeah, for the most for the most part, life because of life outside the animus was mm. just so monotonous, and, yeah. and there was no no tension was being built. No, which I mean, the problem with making two sides, both of which are complex and unsympathetic, is we don't know what we want to happen, yeah. and therefore don't care. Compare it to Rogue One, in which the Alliance, for possibly the first time, is portrayed in a ambiguous light mm. in which the alliance is giving orders that we don't quite agree with to kill people on sight to destroy assets so that the empire can't get hold of them dark things mm. but we don't lose interest in the conflict because there are characters we like yes in that conflict who are torn between doing what they think is right and what they are told is right yeah. that's fine you can have that movie it's rogue one mm. here because we don't relate to the characters we can't really chart our own interest no we don't know anything about the characters except mm. that they're assassins and every now and again one of them will sashay up to michael fassbender wherever he's sitting say something a bit left field a little bit weird a little yeah. bit kooky or like slam an apple down on the table and just like, <laughs> and mumble just scream something at him which you can't understand I think after that, um, after that moment, Michael Fassbender turns back to whatever he's eating and goes, "What the fuck is happening in this place?" Yeah, which is and great. I felt the same. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. And then the concept of Templars, assassins, and this sort of two philosophies that were sort of battling for the future of humanity. I thought this is great. This is sort of something that's going to translate very well uh, to a cinematic experience. So we can't get into the characters. We can't get into the plot. Yeah. Uh, we can't get into. The conflict of this world. Mm-hmm. Was the action any good? There were some good actions. Okay. S- starting with the the eagle flight into the the war, and there were some really good shots. Yes, in there. some was, good shots. It yeah. was well choreographed. It was beautifully choreographed. Yeah, that much you could tell. It looked great. Although there was great choreography, it was very hard to pass what mm. was happening it was very difficult to sort of take it apart and think okay that person is now doing this to that person yeah it was shot very close yeah you could see a lot of like expressive actions but not really how it connects yeah there's there's one shot of uh of i'm gonna just gonna stick with ariana because i don't know i don't yeah, know how sure. to pronounce it or what her actual name is yeah ariane yeah uh, there's there's a, a scene in the trailer of her taking out two guys mm. and it's just fluid and it's perfect yeah and it that moment wonderful that moment was great in the film too yeah um, that came in the middle of a really messy fight scene oh, where yeah. I was found myself thinking, this doesn't look very good. Nope. Throughout all of these fight scenes, it's it's beautiful choreography, but cut mm. after cut, and you can't tell what's going on because yeah. you're, you're, you're seeing some amazing stunts. Mm. I think there were some pretty good stunts in this film. Yeah, there were. But split up with three different cuts so yeah, you couldn't tell what was happening where if you cut during a stunt what the message that tells people is subconsciously oh that didn't really happen yeah you've cut from a person jumping and then you've cut to a person landing yeah. it, it's a cheat and now you're using it to film real stunts actual yeah. things people are doing which are impressive mm. <clears throat> you know almost record breaking in this in record this breaking is it the longest the, the highest longest... free fall in 35 years yeah 
which is great, except it doesn't show. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I know what sequence that was, and it just did not show because his, the environment in which he did it was completely fake. Yeah. Um, and it was shot, it was cut multiple times. Um, mm. compare it to Goldeneye, in which a stuntman jumps from the top of a dam, uh, on a bungee cord to the bottom of the dam and then fires a grappling hook to prevent him going back up again. Yeah. It's filmed in one continuous freefall, mm. and it's stunning. The environment's real. It's extraordinary. I, I know you can't build a little Italian, a Spanish town mm. for this, but there must have been better ways of getting across this incredible stunt. Yeah. There must have been, even if even if the the smoothness, the polished look of the scene would have had to have been compromised, it would have looked better because it would have been a real action mm. in a real place. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is important. Uh, yeah, and um, I mean to be able to do that stunt, it's in a real place. You know, it's, oh yeah, it's, yeah, they it's built still a big tower. Yeah, yeah. Um, there and there are, there are a few moments like that, and yeah, and unfortunately for, for, for those reasons, the action just wasn't um, engaging. Yeah. Even though it looked good. And so that is, I think, yet another aspect of the video game that is not translating to the screen. Mm. Um, so where does this film fit in terms of video game movies? The best one? The best one? Well, I have some interesting news for you. Luckily, I've been able to find a ranked list of all video game movies by Rotten Tomato reception Yee. and Metacritic reception. Excellent. Um, for those of you who may not know the difference, Rotten Tomatoes associates all reviews with a plus or minus, basically whether it's a good review or a bad review, and then counts them up. So if you've got 10 people, and all 10 people gave a movie a C plus, so it counted as a good review, then that movie has a 100% positive reception rating. Metacritic attempts to give a weighted average for each film. So if all of those people gave it a C plus, the movie will come in at like 55, 60% instead. So Metacritic is a bit harsher, um, which is important when you're trying to quantify <laughs> critical reception, which is obviously right. what you should be doing because movies are a science and should be empirically judged. So I don't know how useful this yeah. is, but would you like to guess what the highest rated movie according to Rotten Tomatoes is? So that's the most consistently average or above reviews. I would like to guess. <laughs> Tomb Raider? Uh, incorrect. Um, as a matter of fact, the most consistently warmly reviewed film was Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. Ah, okay. Which is a film I primarily remember for having really good computer graphics. Like, yeah. Like, it was one of those early, I think it was mm. late 90s, and it, the big deal was, I seem to remember everyone saying, hey, we're not going to need actors anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, look at these guys, they look fucking great. And yeah. they do look fucking great. I don't know if I've seen graphics no. that good subsequently. We got Steve Buscemi, everyone. Yep, he was in there. Yeah. Um, okay, The Spirits Within, well, that, that makes that makes sense. Sure. It wasn't an offensively bad film. Would you like to guess what the most consistently well-reviewed film is, on average, according to Metacritic? Video game movie. That's going to be Street Fighter, Paul. I'm afraid you, you were close. Ah. It is, in fact... <laughs> Mortal Kombat, uh, which is a wonderful movie. Um, would you like to guess the lowest reviewed um, film according to Rotten Tomatoes? Alone in the Dark. It is Alone in the Dark. Would you like to guess the lowest rated uh, film according to Metacritic? Alone in the Dark? It is Alone in the Dark. Okay, it's, good. Alone in the Dark is consistently agreed upon as being the most, not only averagely awful film, but also consistently okay. <laughs> mediocre film. So, Uwe Boll, we are coming for you. We are coming. Um, which one of us is going to um, face him in a boxing match? Oh, fuck. Um, both? <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold him down. <laughs> but I should point out, sorry... Um, I believe we're talking about 40s and 50s here. 
for both yeah. of those. Mortal Kombat and Final Fantasy didn't achieve over 60% on either. So it's a pretty shoddy medium. Mm. My favorite might be Street Fighter. <laughs> I really enjoy Street Fighter, guys. Um, we'll come to that at some point. Yeah. Mine might be Mortal Kombat, to be honest. Okay. Um, because it's, it's, it's just so over, over the top. Christopher Lambert, isn't it? Yeah. Christopher Lambert is, isn't it? Had it been R-rated, I think it might have been one of the great, yeah. great cult films. Yeah. Alas. Alas. This was also completely neutered of violence. Hmm. Characters have their throat cut and there's not even a line on their neck. Mm-hmm. Um, people are stabbed. Mm. I, I feel like there's some CGI blood splats every now and then. Yeah. But it's basically a bloodless film. And I think that gets in the way of having really good takedowns as well. You can't have a graphic shot of Michael Fassbender leaping on somebody and, and ripping into him with a knife. Yeah. Because cause kids don't like that. No. Kids love that. They love it so much. It's all they want <laughs> um, for Christmas. But the thing is, I mean, this is a film about how violence is necessary. Jesus Christ, is that what it is? The will to violence is necessary because without it, um, people would just be slaves. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think Equilibrium made the point better anyway. Equilibrium made the point better. And it's all about blood. When someone gets shot in Equilibrium, they they bleed dust. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. Um, Although Christian Bale did cut Ty Diggs in half. No, he cut his face off. Ah, okay. Yes. He gives a a nice slip. uh, He slips his sword up and his face just slides off like cheese off a pizza. Yeah. Oh, I love that film. I love that film too. I think Assassin's Creed is 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 fairly unique in this field for being a very very good looking yeah um video video game movie worth pointing out a very good looking video game movie that does not look like it's video game I mean the costume yeah. design for example is mm. that's not an assassin's outfit it's it's got the mm. hood mm. but aside from that it appears to be wicker <laughs> it was <laughs> it was um it was individually sewn beads right. And it looked great. A lot of work went into making this movie. Okay, so let's do a quick fire round now. Okay. Um, of things that we liked. Let's talk about the music a little bit. Yes, by Jed Kurzel. Jed Kurzel, who did the music for Macbeth. Yeah. And once again has delivered something really stunning. Yeah. It's very atmospheric. It's 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 Hans Zimmer-esque in the in, in, in the um it's a lot about the the ambience of the mm. of, of, of the film. The, the the music affects your body, I think. It drives the film along, really augments the action. Mm. It augments the drama, what there is of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a definite plus. Yeah, absolutely. I like that half of the film was set in Spanish. Yes. Um, every every scene that was that took place in Andalusia in 1492 mm. was 100% Spanish. Mm. There were no, uh, no American actors delivering lines awkwardly in mm. heavily accented English. Yeah. It was it was very well done, and I really appreciated not being mm. condescended, to, yeah. not being patronised by mm. by anyone in that film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was someone in our screening reading out the subtitles as they came up to his friend, who I assume maybe yeah. English wasn't their first language, yeah. or maybe they had visually impairment. Yeah, maybe. Um, although, if you're visually impaired, there are in most screenings audio description available, which you can get at the front yeah. desk and which won't disturb your fellow cinema goers experience maybe Just the, the o2 is pioneering a, a very new scheme where they have a guy loudly <laughs> loudly everything. announcing everything that's happening oh he's going into the into the animus now it's amazing with a sense of wonder every time we're at a new location whoa london what, what? That's, that's where we are <laughs> look 
Oh, you can't. Never mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so much so that, um, I, I wish that all of the film had been set in Andalusia and been delivered in Spanish. Well, that's something I thought about mm. Assassin's Creed back in, mm. is it 2007? Are we 10 years on from this now? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, when the first game came out, we were sold that it was, um, a game about being an assassin. It was going to be Hitman. It was going to be Hitman in, I, I believe, um, the Middle East during the Crusades was the mm. first game. Um, and it was going to be great. We Sounds were gonna, good. Yeah. yeah, we were going to follow our targets. We were going to learn about them. We were going to learn the best way of getting at them. Yeah. Um, basically, it was going to be the game that Dishonored ended up being. It takes so much time. I read a friend's review of the game before I actually played it. and was thinking, okay, let's read this review of what my friend thought about this medieval um, assassination adventure. Desmond Miles, and he wakes up in a strange science fiction fortress... No way! This is, this is the wrong game. What is this? This isn't it. This, where's the Where's the assassins? Where's you know hmm. Jerusalem? Um, he's made to relive his ancestors' memories of oh. of the past, and that's oh. where the assassin gameplay is. Oh. And every so often, you get yanked out of Jerusalem, this mm. medieval world, Jerusalem Acre, and a third one, um, in order to stroll around one room in a science fiction fortress in which a a uh, blonde-haired woman tells you you're doing very well. <laughs> what? But it's so jarring. Always has been. Mm. It's always been jarring. And I really feel both the games and the film especially really would have benefited from just cutting that stuff out and just... Because yeah. this isn't the thrill. They shouldn't have had the real-world stuff. The futuristic stuff. Yeah. Um. And, and as it happened, there was... I don't think it was really of any any benefit. I mean, it told the story that the filmmakers obviously wanted to tell mm-hmm. so in that respect it worked perfectly but um it wasn't a very interesting story and everything everything outside you know everything outside the animus outside mm. this this like rich gorgeous looking past it was just exposition delivered slowly in mm. dark rooms so what is what is the one good thing what did we really like about this film I feel like it's it's those few moments yeah. where, and they were all in the past, nothing in the future really engaged us or made us interested. Those few moments in Ana Lucia mm. where the assassins would do something and the music would just chime into it perfectly and uh, Kurzel's visual eye would synchronize up and it would all just come together for just a moment. And you'd be swept along. You'd be swept along. Um, those moments were very few and far between yeah. and impossible to actually genuinely care about because we just didn't care what was going to happen. Yeah, the, the, there's, a, there's a small part of me that was, was gratified by the mm. visuals and by yeah. and by some of the action and by the sound, um, and by the cinematic experience. Mm. But like you said, those moments moments were too few and far between. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's, we should, definitely shouldn't be giving the past a pass yeah but at least if the future or the present moments hadn't been there they'd have had to have come up with a story to fill in yeah you know, to fill in the bits in the past absolutely um i think i'm unfortunately in, in, in agreement there were some good performances sure michael fassbender and marion cotillard not necessarily in that <laughs> michael fassbender was fine i liked crazy fassbender the bit you described yeah. as being a really cringeworthy scene yeah. <laughs> i quite enjoyed where he is he's just gone mad yeah. From how ridiculous the premise is. There, there, there were moments, and Justin Kurtzel has a, a, a real good um, 
eye for just getting as close to Michael Fassbender's face as possible. When he smiles with all of his 10,000 teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Nest uh, of scorpions is his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, just, or just, just close ups when he's just staring or just quietly regarding Marion Cotillard's character. Marion Cotillard's character, um, was not very good. No, it was um, terrible. The lines, the dialogue was terrible and it was kind of a bit, it was a bit wooden. I'm a little worried about Marion Cotillard. <laughs> this yeah. is coming shortly after Allied. Yeah. Um, which she was, she was fine in. Yeah. I've never been the biggest oh. Marion Cotillard fan. I really like her in Inception. She's this beguiling and elusive. I like everyone in Inception. Well, that's true. Um, she's also, she was great in La Vie en Rose as well. Oh, cool. Obviously. Okay. Um, to be, to be fair, I liked her in Midnight in Paris. Oh, and Rustin Bone. She's Which good. I, yeah. She's good. <laughs> she, she's, she's good. Um, in this, in this film, in this film, it didn't really come through. No. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening to One Good Thing. Please check us out on Twitter and Facebook at OGT Pod. There'll be updates. Uh, there'll also be sound bites. If you listen to this podcast uh, and you like it and you want to tell a friend, but like me, you suffer from stupid fat mouth disease where you can't you can't really get things across that eloquently, then we have these sound bites you can share. As is show a friend by this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> If you do listen to this podcast and like it, you can support us without spending a single penny. Um, it's all about subscribing and rating us on iTunes. Uh, mm. iTunes doesn't show a rating unless a certain amount of people uh, rate it. We need three. Yeah. We, have- <laughs> <laughs> we need one rating. Um, and the best thing you could do for us would be to rate it just to, just to show your appreciation. Um, but thanks to everyone who has listened so far. The numbers have really surprised us both. Um, mm. If half of you rated us, we'd be good. Be in that half. Don't be do in the it. bad half. <laughs> don't, don't be the lame half. Yeah. Jonathan's in that half. You don't want to be with Jonathan. Fuck that guy. If you'd like to read any of more of my work, you can check out Nerds Get Bored at WordPress. Uh, you can check out my page Life Worth Living at WordPress, which is a comedy existentialist blog. But we are going to put the links on Facebook at yeah. some point. So you can just follow that because uh, I'm not going to waste anyone's time by spelling out my stupid website Good. anymore. Oh, and Nerds Get Bored is spelt with three Ys, just so you all know. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember that the one good thing about Assassin's Creed is when Ariana murders two men with knives in a really cool shot, which you could see in the trailer if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs>